Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast For the first of our World Cup daily series, we're going to be bringing you a live show every night at 10pm during the World Cup, every match day that is. And of course, we're going to be discussing all the biggest stories, all the biggest takeaways from the world's biggest football competition. I'm delighted to say that on this first edition, uh, we're going to be looking ahead to England versus Iran. We're also going to be looking back on Qatar's defeat at the hands of Ecuador in the tournament opener. We'll be sharing with you guys some predictions for the tournament. Better late than never. I know it's already underway, but better late than never, as I say. And I'm delighted to say that alongside me to do that uh, this evening, first up, uh, Mr. Dan DeLuca. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well. International football expert. Um, In- international football expert. There you go. Yeah, all, all good. Just um, just woken up after the, um, the opening ceremony. All good. <laughs> Second consecutive World Cup, is it without Italy? It is. Yeah, it is becoming a bit of a bit of a theme. <laughs> ever 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 present since 1954, and then now, uh, yeah, the lack of depth starting to catch up with the Italians. So, and yes. even the most boring World Cup imaginable for me has been made a whole lot worse. But we'll we'll get it done. <laughs> uh, also joining us back after a while, actually, is Mister Alavi. How are you? Did you two like text each other to where? Iran shirts. By the way, this is not like us like having a dig at England or anything. Alavi is genuinely Iranian. Deluca, I don't know what your excuse is. Well, as discussed, Italy hadn't qualified, so I had to, I had to pick another team. And there's a, f- a few reasons why Iran makes sense. And um, So I bought myself a shirt and I'm ready to roll. I think, to be fair, I've always backed Italy when Iran... <laughs> well, I've always backed Italy when Iran haven't been in, so I think it's a favour returned. DDL, what have you got on the back of that Iran shirt, by the way? Oh, so spin. Oh. Yeah, go on. There he is. Look at him supporting his mate Alavi down there. Look at that. Look at that. Brilliant stuff. Um, Alavi, how are you, man? It's been a, a while since you've been on the show. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Can't complain. Can't complain. Um, I started over the Can last couple okay? of days. Yeah, yeah, all good. I started over the last couple of days to kind of really get into the idea of the World Cup and started building up to it and did a couple of preview shows during the week at various places. And I really got into World Cup mode, at least I thought, until I watched that game today, Dan. Um, It was really weird, wasn't it? Because obviously, look, BBC are getting a lot of stick for not broadcasting the opening ceremony. They say that the opening ceremony was broadcast if you press the red button but they chose obviously to talk about the issues around this World Cup. So that instantly, I think for me, I didn't know that at the time, but instantly takes away from 
the feeling of this being a new World Cup and a new tournament. And then we go into the game and it is absolutely dire. It is incredibly one-sided. And uh, I just feel a bit flat off the back of that. I mean, you watched it as well, Dan. What did you make of it? Yeah, I thought it was a terrible football match. Um, I was obviously disappointed with the BBC. Uh, you know, the, the tournament started now. It's a football tournament. That's it. Uh, if you want to talk about the football, if the BBC wanted to do that, they had opportunities. The ITV could have had that game. They didn't have to bid for the opening ceremony to then not show it. Um, so at this point in that, some people like the opening ceremony. I'm not too bothered. The football began. And it felt like, um, I know it doesn't happen anymore, but you know the Confederations Cup, where you've got two teams from the more obscure coefficients have a game. And it, it just felt like that. It didn't feel like a World Cup opener. The quality on display was pretty poor. Um, it was the lowest number of shots in a World Cup game since um, records began, well, since 1966, which is as far back as they started recording that sort of stuff. I know there's more to a game than shots, but... It was devoid of excitement. It was devoid of quality. Um, yeah, really poor, really poor opening game. Um, it can only get better. I've got to admit, sort of over the last few days... When first I've been time the uh, hosts haven't won, right? First time... First time the, the hosts, hosts haven't lost. got a result. Yeah, 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 correct. As in the first time, I think it's what, been 16 wins and six draws or something? I'm not sure of the. Uh, I'm not sure. Exact... I'm not sure of that stat there, but it's the oh, first time they've lost. It's also, it's also like the, the first time that the host shouldn't have been the hosts. So I think there's some correlation there. We'll save that chat because I mean, look, we we can go back and forth it's all day now, on that, and it's it, one though. of those. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah no, it's I mean, in terms, in terms of football quality, is what I mean. Hmm. I don't care about. No, I don't care about it. But the other stuff, like I said, the football started. Talk about the football. Qatar have got no international pedigree as a football team, so therefore I'm not surprised they've lost at home in the World Cup. Yeah, but are we doing Ecuador a disservice because they're coming in on a decent run? I think, what, lost one game over the last 14, 15, 16? They've kept however many clean sheets in. So maybe they're a bit better than we think as well. This is not what the World Cup brings. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you guys a little bit later on is, how much of it was Ecuador being mm. good and solid and very physical? They're a very physical side, I find, Ecuador. But again, how much of that was on show because Qatar are not those things and because Qatar are not at the level? But I mean, Dan, obviously, as I say, I was building up to the World Cup and I was looking at the teams and I was looking at the groups and I looked at Qatar and I looked at them and I thought they recently won the Asian Cup, at least not too long ago. You know, they've been preparing for this competition for a long, long time. They should be ready. They should be good to go. There was a part of me that thought, actually, they could get something today. And if they did, that that would put them in a position whereby they'd stand a chance of getting out of the group. And I I thought it was a little bit disingenuous, actually, that people were looking at them and going, there's no way they get through. And it's completely impossible. But after that performance today, I mean, they couldn't string three passes together. Defensively, they were all over the place. I wouldn't be surprised. We've only seen one game, but I would go as far as saying that I can't believe there's a worse team than them in this competition. No, I, I, I agree. And let's get into it properly. You know, let's not let's not dance around the handbags. It was a, it was an appalling performance. I think if you're lacking in quality, like many other countries will be, or many other clubs are, at least have the common decency then of being well organised. You know, help yourself out. At times in the first twenty five minutes, particularly. They were all over the place defensively. 
there was overloads. Um, there was overloads at the back post on the far side of the pitch regularly. There was, you know, the sort of back four were all getting sucked across into the same position. It was like watching. It was like watching. Um, it was like watching kids in a playground at the time. This is an international football team. Um, they've had twelve years. You know, this was awarded in two thousand and ten. They've, you know, they've had time to work this out. Um, and you know, it was a really, really poor spectacle. Um, their own fans didn't stay to see the end. Ecuador. They didn't do much. I guess we'll give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt um, in the sense that it was so easy in the first 25 minutes with a 2-0 lead. Perhaps they didn't Perhaps they didn't need to or didn't feel they needed to and, and, and sort of went through the motions. But, you know, I was really concerned for Qatar. Um, a bit like you, I thought Qatar could get something out of this game today. And, and, and I'll be honest, I, I did tip them to finish second in this group. I thought being the home side, I thought, they, you know, they might have some surprises up their sleeve. But, you know, things can change this one game. But I, I'm watching that thinking when Holland gets a play against that, if they've not sorted out the defensive problems, um, the way Holland play football with their full-backs bombing forward, overloading as well, they're, they're going to have some real concerns. The goalkeeper was, yeah, I mean, he was nothing short of uh, horrendous. Absolutely, absolutely horrendous. And um, I just, you know, I'm going to be a bit strong what I'm going to say here. It's not their fault. It's not the players' fault. But the Qatari and FA, you know, were supportive of this bid. They should be producing, you know, they've had 12 years to to, to, to work out how they were going to prepare for this tournament. And they've deprived certain nations, you know, an opportunity to play in this with their host status. And I just, I just, I just feel we deserved a little bit more, um, a little bit more from them than what we saw. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the performance was really underwhelming. But Alavi, I mean, we talked about sort of, home advantage we talked about the fact that they are you know playing in their own country in front of their own fans i expected the atmosphere to be pretty good i thought that would be a factor but it was dead and i know they started the game poorly but it was dead from the outset and then you add to that that half of them made for the exits after what 55 60 minutes i mean it just it just reinforces the point doesn't it and again i don't want to get into the politics of it but it kind of reinforces that feeling that people have which is the World Cup probably shouldn't be here. I mean, Alavi's just dropped off, but I'll come to you. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's... I think deep down, we all know the World Cup shouldn't have gone with Qatar, but you can put that to one side, can't you? You know, all you expect, you know, opening opening games, they're often a little bit, they're often a little bit dull, right? As you feel your way into the tournament. You know, I don't blame Qatar for the lack of build-up. You know, other countries around the world have to cut their season halfway through to play the World Cup in the summer, um, and all that sort of all that sort of stuff. So, no problem with that sort of stuff in terms of in terms of where it should be. I think my biggest gripe when it was awarded to when it was awarded to Qatar was not about the political side. We all knew that there was you know some unscrupulous behaviour, perhaps that had changed hands and set blatter, you know, and all that sort of stuff where he's. Awarded them early before his term ended. We can all work that out. We're not silly. But a reason why I was most concerned about it was Qatar had no international football pedigree whatsoever. Um, all the, the, this is ridiculous. But I remember, I remember having FIFA '96, right? And Qatar were one of the teams you could be on it. And I always thought that was a bit weird then, when I was ten. You know, now I'm like, now I'm a fully grown man, and they're awarded the World Cup, and you think, what? Why? 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 Why should Qatar be in a World Cup? What what historical pedigree have they got? And this has never happened in football to this scale. 
when he went to South Korea and Japan, people were a bit like, well, that's a bit weird. But, you know, South Korea had been in World Cups. They, you know, they, they, were, they were doing well in Asian tournaments before this. And that, that's the thing for me. You know, that's the thing. You need to have footballing pedigree to, to be able to host a World Cup and partake in it. And the way, they've, the way they've turned up today, like you say, Harry, has proved people right in that respect, I think. You know, because they, they looked out of place, didn't they? And I know in the past we've had, you know, Saudi Arabia 12 years ago got beat 8-0 by Germany, OK? But they qualified on merit. So people may not like it, but they qualified on merit and they got beat. But if you haven't qualified on merit, it just rankles it rankles a little bit more because you think, well, you know, there must be another Asian country there who would have been able to put on a, be- a better show. Um and you know, and their, their manager looked so defeated, didn't he? Like from the first couple of minutes, like every time the camera panned <clears> around <throat> him, he just looked like, "Oh my god, what am I watching here?" Like, I don't think even he expected that. No, he. Looked, do you think he, like, he, we're forgetting? Can you hear me now, Bob? Do you think we're forgetting that there are loads of these games in the World Cup, and we just forgot them? There are loads. It just has to be the first one. This always happens. The Euros and the Champions League have more good games. The World Cup does tend to have more what I'll refer to as dud games. Yeah, there, there is that, of course. You you have to factor that in. But I'm not I'm not annoyed that the game was dull. I you know I expected that in an opener. I think if any of us were betting men, which of course we're not, but if we were, we'd have all gone for under two and a half goals, under one and a half goals. Everybody would have leaned that way because of the fact that it was a World Cup opener. But my point is that the standard of the football was so bad. The positional um, yeah, yeah. Every, play, everything, all of it was just really, really poor. And I was looking at the the Qatari coach and obviously I was reading sort of before the game, he's never managed a, a match at a World Cup or, or a, an international competition. He's someone that had only, or prior to this job, I beg your pardon, he'd only been a sort of academy coach at Barcelona and they've gone, oh, well, he worked at Barcelona. He'll be able to do this job and he's come in and he looked, not just in terms of the way his team played today, but he just looked based on his facial expressions and the way he was carrying himself as if he didn't know what he was doing and he didn't know where he was and yeah. it just looked an absolute mess. Yeah, Harsh maybe, but that's how I felt. No, no, I agree. He looked like someone had just dropped in there and said, can yeah. you... Um can you coach these boys today for us? And he was, you know, head in yeah. his hands, looking down. Um, yeah. And um, do you know what? In the end, the, the fact they got away 2-0 was, was, was probably quite fortunate in a way because I was really, really worried for them um, when that when that second goal went in from, from Valencia. Really worried for them. Got to say as well, what a header for the second goal, by the way. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, the way he um, <clears throat> the way he went down and arched his body and got the power to put it right in the corner is a, a fantastic header. I was a bit worried that that one might be ruled out as well because of how close how close he seemed to be to the to the defender. But but thankfully, thankfully it wasn't. We got to quickly touch on the VAR call because these two, for those of you that don't know, literally text me once, twice a week each, asking me to apologise for VAR. They're so anti it, it's untrue. But that was offside. Like, it, it was the correct call. And one of the reasons I was getting, again, I, I was frustrated at the lack of quality in the game. But another thing that frustrated me this afternoon was scrolling through Twitter 
after that goal had gone in, watching everybody starting to make up all these weird conspiracy theories. Oh, look, Qatar have paid uh, the VAR to, to strike that off. Oh, look, the host nation are getting favouritism. No, they're not. It was offside. And we've even got the automated technology now, which shows you that. And people are still arguing with it. It, it, it drives me nuts. I mean... Yeah, I'll, I'll argue with it. I'll argue why? With it. Why? Because What's the argument? My argument is... When it goes to... Gone. Gone. Right. Automated technology. What does that mean? It means that there's a sensor in the ball. Right. So why does it take nine minutes to show me it? It didn't take the VAR nine minutes to work it out. It just took them it's, nine minutes to show it to you. It took them longer than automated would suggest. So it's like me, I've got an automatic car. Yeah. Yep. And I turn it on and it takes me nine minutes to pull off my drive. I, I can't be dealing with that. You know, it, let's just, if it's, <laughs> it's going to be comparable, automated, is it? Come yeah, on. Of course it's comparable. It's exactly what happens. It's like, so it's like they've, they've disallowed it. No one's quite sure. No one's quite sure why. Everyone's watched it about 15, 16 times. They still can't see it. The referee's sure why, though. Is he? course he is he's in contact with the var yeah so someone in his ear has told him oh you need to disallow this at the end of the day that you know i don't this, the whole thing with var i think if it's, sorry hold on. i think if that's the worst vr thing we'll see your tournament i'll just tell you that you yes, think it will be and uh, well that's what i'm saying so if it is then fine no it won't be it comes back to the same thing for me like you know does that goal need to be disallowed for that offense and are we sure it's offside and i am not convinced that that's offside i'm still not convinced i've seen it a lot of times and then nine minutes nine minutes later someone sends me a still of a bloke's knee and, and i just I, I i don't like to be a conspiracy theorist but around var i'm suspicious of it i'm suspicious of it because i've seen so many decisions for and against my club so it's, you know it's a neutral thing i've seen so many decisions that i just can't i can't get behind if it's automated technology then just show us the silly man straight away but do, do well, you understand? Before we move on, if that goal had been uh, not disallowed, I'm pretty sure it would have been the fastest ever in an Open World Cup event. Knowledge, there you go. That's your one interesting fact that I've got all evening. Actually, the penalty, the penalty, I think that's also the first ever penalty. No, I'm not. The first that. goal in the World Cup. No, I'm not in that. Oh, you mean. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, opening goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't remember. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how boring the game was. I just found out two or three interesting facts and carried on. Yeah, so it's definitely not. It's definitely not the first penalty in an opening game because I remember John Collins scoring one for Scotland against Brazil. That's no, knowledge. but I think it's the but first time. Was an it was, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. It, it was offside, right? The guy when when he challenges with the keeper, he flicks it, and the guy beyond him who then heads it back to the guy that then bicycle kicks it is basically offside. And so there was an offside in the build-up and you got to rule it out. It's the correct call. I know people don't like it. I know people moan about it, but I've said it time and time again. It's here. And um, when it comes to offsides, at the very least, you've got to trust that technology because it, it is what it is. Um, right, let's let's move on anyway. Let's talk a, a little bit about England uh, versus Iran. Alavi's having all sorts of tech issues. Alavi, you're always all over the shop with this stuff, man. Every bloody show. Um, talk to us about Iran. Uh, tell us, you know, how you're feeling as an Iranian going into the game tomorrow, apart from basically shitting it. Like, how, how are you feeling about the actual game? Um, I'm assuming you can hear me a bit better now. Yeah, that's much better. Cool. 
better than your pounds. your wish two pound headphones that you were using <laughs> um <laughs> I just feel that we've been treated with like a bit of contempt. I think like, I don't understand why it's been seen as some sort of like training game. I think people have talked about, you know, Gareth Southgate tinker with the team as if it's almost a, um, like a warm up game or, you know, to test a few players out. I think England have got to be careful because if they, if they finish second, they end up the other side and very quickly they'll be playing Holland and potentially Argentina rather than, Ecuador and maybe France with a few injuries. Um, obviously, without getting into the, the, the politics of it, it's a, it's a game that I'm massively looking forward to. Excited, nervous, the sense of like pride, fulfilment. But for me, it's an Iranian side that doesn't have the balance that it used to. What it's got is a lot of attacking now, um, a lot of players that play elsewhere for once, where usually they're just um within the Iranian leagues. Now there's like players that you might even have even heard of that play for you know, I'm sure you know a couple that play for Bayer Leverkusen or Porto. So um obviously yeah, Humbash used to play in the Premier League. So I think I'm not saying that they'll win <laughs> by any stretch. I think a draw will be an unbelievable result. But it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they could stifle them to like a nil-nil. Obviously, yeah, of course, they're not favourites. Um, I think he'll go the 4-1-2-3. I think he'll probably leave Asmund on the bench because of his injury, who, for people that don't know, um, is probably He's their, star, part of their, their star player. I'm sure you two have both heard of him. Um so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But just to even get a result against any team, possibly finish second and have a game against, I don't know, Holland in the next round and then go out, I'll take that. That's more than enough. So, you've mentioned the formation. Do you know, do you, do you have a rough idea of what the lineup will be? Uh, I think he'll leave. I think he'll leave. I'll have a think. I think he'll leave Asmoon on the bench. Rabi on the bench and Nahorali on the bench. So I think he'll go. I'll read them off the top of my head. So he'll go usual keeping goal, uh, Barry Benand. I think he'll then go Mohamed, Konani, Hosseini, Mohamed at the back. Ezatuli, Kolazide, Hajafi in the middle. And then Tarami, Yohambash, and probably Amri over Asmon, unless he so, had a last minute um, change of mind. So, so Aladdin Yahang Bash obviously played for Brighton. Um, yeah, he scored an absolutely spectacular goal for Brighton. One, although he record, yeah, absolutely spectacular goal. So, uh, I mean, Harry's listeners will have heard of him or would have had their memory refreshed just now. Perhaps is there anyone else that is there any other players to watch? Is there anyone who, you know, as Moon, on, yeah, as Moon who plays for Bayer Leverkusen, and even Harry is knows about yep. him. There is one player who I would actually say is as good, if not potentially better on his day. And that's a player who plays for Porto called Taremi, plays as an attacking winger. So actually their best players, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not a balanced team like it used to be. They've just got three or four quite good strikers. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we've seen, I'm not underestimating Iran one bit in this tournament. Um, You all think back to the last time we saw Iran. The last time we saw Iran, they very, very nearly eliminated 
Portugal. And I must mm. say, when I say when I say we, we're only going to see Iran on the world stage. Obviously, they've played football matches since, mm. and they're, they've done. Okay they're twentieth in the world. So like, got to yeah, that. yeah. They, they, so Iran, from an England perspective, now, and people obviously expecting England to turn up and 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 roll over. Um, what I'd say is this: um, England don't typically start particularly well in these sort of tournaments. Um, Iran historically, whilst this year we're saying you know they've got some their best players are attacking. Iran are a well organised side. They've picked up some, mm. some some big results. Obviously, they beat Morocco in the last World Cup. They very nearly um, got a nil nil draw against Argentina, and Messi had to pull one out of the top. Yeah, he pulled like, the blinder. Yeah, in like the 89th minute. So I think you'll get an organised side um, out of, out of Iran still. And if they've yeah. got that threat on the break, if England get frustrated, there could be some joy there. I think um, England have struggled to break teams down in playing that way. They struggled to break Scotland down at Wembley um, in, in Euro 2020, in, in obviously held in 2021. That was a nil-nil draw. And England have historically struggled against teams from uh, of this sort of nature, the teams you don't quite expect. They drew nil-nil in the opening game in, 20, in, in, in 2010. Um, with Algeria, didn't they? Um, they they beat you. They beat Tunisia two nil um, in in 1998. And I know these are, are North African sides as opposed to Asian sides, but they play in a very similar in a very similar sort of way. Organised at the back with a couple of couple of fast players on the wing. So I don't think this is a walk in the park for for England. I think um, if Iran find a way to stifle Harry Kane um, <clears throat> and force him deep, um, that that might help. And then the reliance will be on the likes of you know. Raheem Sterling, um, who I expect will start for England, I'm not sure why, but I expect he will um, to get forward. So I don't think it's a it's an absolute walk in the park tactically for England. I really don't. Mm. I, just, I just don't want to get embarrassed tomorrow. I don't want to lose to America, and I no, I want to beat America and don't want to lose to Wales. And I'll take take second or just third and have a couple of decent games. You know, dream dream big. Or my 750 to one bet comes in, and you know. <laughs> to be fair, if if Iran want to find out how to stifle Harry Kane, they can just go and speak to Ben White. He'll be on the pitch out there warming up. He'll tell him how to put Harry Kane in his pocket. Yeah. Easy. Um, I was looking at the England squad again to th- this evening because what I wanted to do was put together my lineup, the team that I think that Gareth Southgate should pick tomorrow. Now, I know it's going to be a million miles away from the one he actually picks because I expect him to play with a back three. You know, I know a lot of people are saying open up and play more expansive attacking football. I just think the way this World Cup has come around, there's no time to prepare. He's picked a very similar group of players to what he picked last time. There's a few trusted lieutenants, if you like, in that side. And I think he's going to play in the same way. I think it's going to be a back three with wing backs. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that's right. So this is the team, which I'll share with you guys now, that I would go with. And it's not really that good a team, but that's because I think the squad uh, is a lot weaker than... Sorry, is this what you should or what you... Different teams. No, this is the team that I would pick if I were Gareth Southgate. You'd have Rice in there. Yep. Well, who else? Who's the alternative? Again, I'm I'm saying this as like a, you know, Iran football being my number one thing outside boxing. But do you really need Rice to... Hold off Iran. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. You need balance, man. You need balance. And if you're going to play with a back four, then you need to have that player in the midfield. So let me run through it because there's a lot of people listening on audio that 
won't see the graphic. So I've gone Pickford in goal. I've gone with a back four of Trippier at right back. And this is only because um, of sort of the fitness of, of a lot of players at the moment. I don't really think Trent Alexander-Arnold is, is solid enough defensively. I think Trippier gives you a bit of both. So I would go with him. At centre-back, for me, it's got to be White and Stones. Stones has won multiple Premier League titles. He's a, he's a good central defender. Ben White's been one of the best defenders in the Premier League all season. Luke Shaw at left-back is in there because Chilwell's unavailable. Then you move into midfield, I'll go Bellingham, Rice and Foden. Then I'd go Saka on the right, Sterling on the left, and I'd go with Kane up front. Now, there are reports during the rounds tonight that Saka is starting. There's a bit of a leak if it is accurate, that's been doing the rounds. Saka supposedly is starting, Dan, but Phil Foden isn't. So, Saka should absolutely be starting. Let's start with that. He should absolutely yeah. be starting. Um, and, I mean, Phil Foden should be starting as well. I, I just don't... Um, I don't understand this reluctance to play Phil Foden. In terms of the formation you, you've, you've put on there... Um, yeah, I agree he's not going to play that way. And actually, if I'm Gareth Southgate, I wouldn't change the formation just for this game. You've got to play your way into the tournament. His preferred formation is with two, you know, with the two, the double pivot, if you like, um, or the two defensive midfielders. That's the way he likes to play. Um, you know, it's an international tournament. I don't see an issue with being conservative in, in, in the opening rounds, if I'm honest. I know it frustrates some of the fans who will be watching and they think Southgate's too defensive. But... You know, a World Cup can get away from you very, very quickly if you're not careful. You, you know, uh, when they play against, against Wales, Wales Wales will play against England better than they play against any other team. If, if, if England drop points in this game here, suddenly it's it, it starts to look a little bit uncomfortable. So I think he's right to pick the formation he wants to pick and be conservative um, and, and try and pinch a, a, a one a 1-0 win. I, I don't see any issue with that, really, as long as he, as long as he pulls it off. Um Completely agree with Trippier. He's the, he's the informed right back in the in, in the country. Very competitive at right back England, which is a bit odd because they're a bit light um, in other areas. Saka has to start. He, you know, Saka has to start. If I said to anyone on you know a Tottenham podcast, never mind an Arsenal podcast, and said who you know who 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 would you rely on to to support Kane um, from wide positions? Would it be Sterling or Saka? I think I think everyone would say Saka is 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 a far a far better player at this moment in time. And we're not talking about three months of this season. I'd say last season as well. And I, I think he's I think he's done enough. And he's got that international experience now as well that 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 means that's not a reason to leave him out. So I'd absolutely start Saka. Um I mean Kane picks himself up front. Um and I'd have Foden in Sterling's position and look to have Madison or Grealish in behind um playing, you know, a number ten actually at ten instead of instead of sticking him out wide. Um, the back, I'm going to pick on, you know, one Arsenal player you got in there. I think it's the centre-half pairing for England is a big problem for me because they're really struggling to find one. I think what you've done there is you've probably picked the two best centre-halves in the country, which makes sense. But I think it's a tough job to pick Ben White as centre-half when he's not playing centre-half for his club. Um, so I, I wouldn't expect to see Ben White there um, too much in the tournament, if at all, if, if I'm honest. I think that's... Um, that's tough. The other options aren't great. Maguire has done well in tournaments for England in the past, even though he, you know he's obviously a very poor player who's struggling. Dyer is a very poor centre half, but if you're playing defensively, you can you can head your ball away. 
um, which is about the best I can say for him, really. But I don't expect to see Ben White in there um, too much of a tallest tournament for for that for that reason, really. I mean, I agree with you, right? Like, I'm picking it based on on what I think, and I and I said right at the top of this, didn't I? That this is not anywhere near what I expect him to pick. And I know we're doing this, or I'm doing this through sort of Arsenal lens. But you know, for example, the Pickford thing. I think Pickford's been quite good for England, actually, and I think he probably deserves to keep his place. I don't see why you would kick uh, him out for Aaron Ramsdale. But if I'm adamant that I want to play with a back four, I'm looking at the options, man. Eric Dyer, as you said, not good enough. Harry Maguire, not good enough, and especially not good enough in a back four. Kyle Walker would have been in my team, but he's not match fit. And that's a problem. That's a concern. And that's why I haven't put James Madison in either, because he's not fit. Um, and, and apparently has been training alone over the past few days as well. So he's a big doubt. In the midfield, I mean, if you look at the players that I've left out, Conor Gallagher, not done enough for me to start for England at a World Cup. Jordan Henderson is someone that you'd arguably put in there, actually, for his experience. Maybe not had the greatest of seasons. Mason Mount, has he been all that great lately? I don't think so. Calvin Phillips isn't fit. And so, again, you're left with, with very few options. Is, is there an argument? Like... Go on. No, go on, go on. I was going to say, is there an argument that Jack Grealish belongs in this team? Yeah. So, what I was going to say there, this is my issue with England at the minute, and I'm going to go. In, I'm going to go in big on a particular player. Um, there is too much. Too much, was, too much. Too <laughs> much. Too much was done at the last tournament, and the same is going to happen in this tournament. Too much is being done to accommodate Raheem Sterling, and this is going to be England's undoing. I know he scored a couple of goals in Euro 2020 and all that good stuff. And I know he had a good season in 2019. He's out of form. He's out of confidence. He's not playing well. So I think there are some players where I think there is a fair excuse that says, well, he's done well for England in the past. So we'll give him the nod. Pickford's one. Maguire, okay. might, even, Maguire might even be another where Southgate looks at it and says, tournament football. Compared to the other options, even though you're bad, the other options are not good enough. I'm I'm struggling to see how you haven't got Sterling yeah. out of that team and Foden where Sterling is and Mount where Foden is. Yeah, so this is the thing. So so that's why I'm not quite. I know. I, say, I understand the point about Rice. Okay, maybe that's a bit disrespectful to Iran with, with because you need that player. But why is I don't get the Mount? All right, shall I shall I explain my thinking behind that and then you can pull it yeah. apart? Yeah. Okay. Right. So. I don't think Mason Mount is playing very well at the moment. What? I don't. I don't think he's playing well. Currently, I don't think he's playing well. Saw him he's live what, two, he's... three weeks ago. He's not. He's not playing well. He... Okay. He's not playing well. Forget. He's in great form. <laughs> he's not in great form. Look at his stats. He's not in great form. I'll, I'll bring up his stats right now. He's not in great form. He's honestly not in great form. A lot of people thought that with Graham Potter coming in, Mason Mount was going to kick on. Have you seen Sterling's level. form recently? He's not been there. Yeah, but Sterling's been playing at bloody left wing back. And Sterling yeah. delivers for England. Mason Mount hasn't got that kind of pedigree. And that's Mason exactly Mount's... why Gareth Southgate will go wrong because he picks players based on why why they do well for England. <coughs> but he picks so, players no, that no, he so trusts. Think, no, so I think that's okay. So, so Gareth Southgate has had a lot of stick in recent weeks where people normally on Facebook they say, "Oh, Gareth Southgate, he picks his favourites." Well, do you know what? If I'm the manager, I'll pick who I like, and I'll pick my favourites because I'm the England manager. So that's up to me. So I don't understand all that nonsense. And you had Paul Merson. Um, the other day, you, you, you normally talk nonsense at the best of times, doesn't he? And he said, well, Gareth Southgate has, has, has broken his own rules. 
Gareth Southgate can break whatever rules he wants when he's picking a team because he's the England manager. But I get the, I get the point where you know you need if you play well for England, then you need to be displaced from that role. So if you you know if it's a bit touch and go, so it's like say your options are Maguire and Dyer, they're both pretty bad. Dyer's better than Maguire at the minute, probably quite comfortably, but is. Dyer's not that good, so you say, well, I've signed with Maguire because he's played well for England before and I trust him in this team, in this setup. That's fine. With Sterling, the difference is you have other credible options there who are as as good and playing better. And that's my issue. So, okay, so going to be something hold up, there's an argument for just looking at one last time at the team. Sorry, I had um, technical question, but surely Trent as well has got an argument there. Again, he's been awful this season. And, not... and you can't deny that one. He's been no, terrible. no, no. I'm not. I'm not. But yeah. he offers that... he offers elements that Trippier doesn't. He offers a good delivery into the penalty area, which Trippier does. But he offers zero defensive capability, and Kieran Trippier does. Right now, yeah. I pick Kieran Trippier over Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, but if you think about it, if you're, if you're if I'm going south right now, I am very, very worried about my team defensively because I am scraping the barrel for centre half options. You know, I've had to call Eric Dyer up after two years out, out of international out of the international picture. He's played appallingly since and still picking. So when I'm looking at my fullbacks now, I'm gonna want some defensive stability. The last thing I want is to have to wanna have Maguire or Dyer worrying about Trent Alexander Arnold getting caught thirty yards out of position like he does every week for Liverpool. And it might sound disrespectful to the kid, because he's a good footballer, but for the last Six to eight months, he's been very, very poor defensively. So, I, I kind of would expect to see Trippier there. I'd be very surprised if Trippier doesn't start. But the issue for England is going to be how do you get the ball into Harry Kane, who is along with Foden, are the, are the two standout talents in that team. <clears throat> the rest of that team, you take Kane, you cover Kane up there, you cover Foden up, you look at that team, and you think that is really, really ordinary, really ordinary. There's some good players in amongst the ordinary, like Saka, like Rice. Bellingham's a good prospect. But without that, you know, that's the star man there. How am I going to get the ball into, into him? And the whole team, the whole attacking four, should be shaped around that. If Kane has to come and start dropping deep, there's going to be big, big problems, in my opinion. So Sterling, for me, unsettles that front four. He's done it for England in the past. Um, he done it for Manchester City last season. Um, they get away with it because they've got a lot of good players. Um, you saw what happened in a Champions League final where Sterling was accommodated in that lineup. Sterling should not have started that Champions League final. He was put in there on nostalgia, and Man City got beat and beat bad. 1 0 flattered them. What's going to happen here is Foden is being moved into a place that's not, well, he's not his most effective. Yeah, um, yeah. There, are good, there are good number 10s in the squad, like Jack Grealish, like Madison, who aren't going to play Madison, well. Madison's injured, to be fair, isn't he? Yeah, so he picks up a bit of a knock or a fright or, or a strain. He's not heart. fit. He's, he's not training. Yeah, I, I think Madison's genuinely so, out of the game. Yeah, fair enough. But the tournament as a whole, you cannot accommodate someone when there are better options out there. All right. So, because we've run over, what, what what's your lineup? What's your lineup? DDL, your England 1 to 11. First of all, are you going with. A four-three-three type system, or are you playing the back five? Tell us your system, and then give us um, your eleven. I do the I do the back five for England. Okay. And the reason I do the back five is because I've got two fullbacks capable of bombing forward, and I have got poor centre half options that I want three in there. Um, so 
I, I would pick I, I would pick stones. Um I would pick I would pick White um as well because I think Harry Maguire is shot and I would put Eric Dyer in the middle of the three. Oh. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Now listen to me now. I'm gonna get the whole Spurs fan picking Dyer. I don't care if Dyer plays for England. No one should pick Dyer. No one. Spurs I'll tell you, fan or no, no, I'll tell you why I picked Dyer in there. Because if I've got a back three, the only time that man is remotely effective, um, a bit like David Luiz, is in a back three where he can, can drop deep and just head balls clear. I'd have him dealing with that. That's all I want him to do. The other two the other two centre-halves will be fine. And I'd have Dyer in the middle because he, he, he'll be... It'll be better than Maguire in that slot, and that's the only reason. Surely, though, surely if Carl Walker's fit, he's your right-sided centre back. If Carl Walker is fit, then he could be the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think we all agree with that. Okay. Surely, yeah. yeah. But I would then, go. I would go that, like, yeah, not too dissimilar to that. Harry, you could have, Harry you could have White, you could have White as a right-sided centre back, and he played right back a lot this season as well. And he's he's capable of doing it. I'd have Tripper on Tripper on the right. I'd have Shaw on the left if you've got it there. Um, so that's that's my um. That's my five. And then obviously you need your five attacking players then. So I'd have Sterling I'd have Sterling out of there. I'd have Foden in Sterling position and I'd have it as you've mm. got it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go pick Pickford in yeah. goal. The same defence, although I would I'll, I'm gonna stick to my guns with Trent. I just yeah. think there's something about having played at that top level. Yeah. Um that does it for me. You've taught oh, you've taught me into Rice, I, I think maybe just thought with Iran they they'll just go and be happy for Drew Belling to cover that position, but fine, keep that as it is, but same formation. But for me, Mount goes where Foden is and Foden goes where you've put Sterling. So I'm going for a free of Rice, Bellingham, Mount, and then a front free of Kane, Saka and Foden. Yeah, what okay. I, do, what, I, I don't what know I do how you're accommodating Sterling into that team. Yeah, he, he can't. Uh, Sterling will play, and it will be England's undoing, I promise. But then, what you what you do then with a back five on Southgate is when I need that creativity because I haven't got my goal or things aren't quite working. You can easily take the weakest centre half off, Eric Dyer, get rid of him, put a number ten in, and then switch to what you've switch to what you've got there to find the creative player to unlock. Um, but yeah. that's that's the way I'd be looking at it if I, if, if I was Gareth Southgate. I, I think this is not this is not a good team. This is not no, and 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 when they meet at France in the quarters, someone is running rings round Rice, aren't they? Highly probable. I, I actually think Rice is one of the better players at the moment in that sort of deeper line well, midfield. There's no one else. It's yeah, just by maybe. default. I think he's. I do think he's overrated. Like I don't think he's this hundred and fifty million pound player like no. some people were talking about last summer. But I, I think, think he's already a bad better player. than him. No. Yeah, yeah, but they're this... different. They're different types of player though. It's, it's it's about having, I always say that a good midfield is a balanced midfield and it's not just about the three best players or putting the two best players in there. You've got to find players that complement each other. And I think if you look back at the last tournament, the Euros, for example, when it was Rice and Calvin Phillips, Calvin, yeah. I thought they both were, were combative and they were both quite happy to defend. And, and people talk a lot about Calvin Phillips' technical ability. But actually, I thought England really struggled to control games as a consequence of not having a ball player in there. I think Bellingham's a bit more of that, but still isn't the perfect profile. I think that England are just gen generally missing that type of like midfield metronome or tempo setter. I don't really know what you want to call him, but someone who can just get on the ball. Like an old dictate Pierre, the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Something like that. Okay, look, let's, let's do some quick predictions uh, before we wrap up then. So, 
Um, obviously, we haven't spoken about the World Cup previously, apart from exchanging a few WhatsApp messages here and there. So I want to know who you guys have down as your World Cup winners. Alavi, I'll come to you first. Who have I got? Um, I actually wrote these down. Uh, what have I, uh, I've, I've got Brazil. Um, yeah, I know that it's a bit gone to a Europe side for the last, what, four World Cups. I just, I just can't see past Brazil. I know we're not seeing them until Thursday, but you look at the players they've left out, you know, obviously one you'll know very well, um, Oscar T- Coutinho, Neres, Firmino, um, who else? Uh, Lodi, there's, the, it's, we're not even talking about the players that they've got on the bench. We're talking about players that didn't even get on the plane there. I just think it's unbelievable that the, the strength and depth they have. Um, obviously, we're going into it with, what, 14 wins out of the last 17 They've drawn three. I think that I think they're a side that used to be very um, overly attacking, but now I think we see a side that the fullbacks are a little bit more conservative, and I think that allows for you to then just have your one holding midfielder, which is Casemiro. You've got your that's like I said, your more conservative fullbacks. And then, therefore, you've just got an array of talent, haven't you? You've got um, Rafinha, Neymar, um, uh, who else? Paqueta, Jesus, um, the Newcastle player. always forget his name. Um, Kim Rush. That's the one. <laughs> um, Vinicius Junior, obviously. Um, probably, what, Madrid's second best player at the moment. Um, so, I just I just look at their squad and think, well, they're favourites every year, but this time I actually weren't. I think they weren't being favourites. I think they're on, like I said, I think they're on the hard side of a draw. You know, the, their route would be beating Spain, who I think actually they're one of the going to be one of the flops, and then they'll have to beat Argentina. But um, and actually, they'd have to maybe even beat Uruguay when I was um, looking at the doing my predictions earlier. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Brazil. I know it's um, David Neres. That's the other one they've left at home. You know, um, yeah, I'm going to go Brazil. DDL. So I've I've gone for Argentina. Um, I've had yeah. I've had a few bets on Argentina at nine to one, eight to one, seven to one, and they're now into six right. to one. Um, all I'll say about Argentina, um, same about Brazil. They could have a tough second round game, um, but we've got we'll have Je- uh, De- Denmark potentially. They could have Denmark off. They could have, they could have Denmark off France, which would be a, a, a tough. Uh, which obviously would, France would obviously be tough and. Denmark knocked them out in the second round last time, didn't they? Um, a lot of people. Den- I don't get the big deal well. about Denmark. I, I don't understand yeah. it. A lot I'm of people lost, really fancy Denmark. Denmark to win that group. Completely. Well. It's like it reminds me of Turkey in the Euros a couple of years ago. Someone's just gone mad and just picked them as a yeah. Like they got new they favorite. Got, they got ruined by Italy three 0 in the first night, and then that was the end of them. They were gone. Yeah, but mm. I, I, I don't think Denmark are a joke. Like I'd rather. There's a lot. Uh, there, no. are, there are a lot of easier second round ties out there um, and obviously if they pick something up for France suddenly Argentina have got to play France that's not very nice but I've, I've gone for Argentina to keep it um, to keep it short yeah me too uh, me too uh, let's go golden boot what, as in you're going you're going Argentina as Argentina well. yeah Argentina haven't they got injuries coming in you've got like Otamendi Demeridera Otamendi, they're better off without him he's a car crash of a defender but with Argentina do you not think that they, they don't have a plan B ever. They don't have like 2014. I just felt they longed for that 
I don't know, a Crespo, a Higuain, like somewhat like another way of playing. Even when they won it in 86, they had like that. They, they've, they had another way of playing. I just don't feel that past think... what they do. They've got even Brazil, another way of playing if they need to. I don't feel Argentina have that. I, I A lot of the reason I'm confident so I'm, around right. Argentina is because they've gone on and won a Copa America since then. They're a different side. There's There's a lot that's changed there. I think they got a good balance. I think defensively, for the first time in a long time, I look at them and I trust them. In the past, it's always been a really top-heavy side. You've gone, look at that attacking talent, but defensively, they're all over the shop. And I also don't think previous managers have been very good at finding that balance on the transition and finding that balance True. in terms of when they're out of possession. This is a much more rounded Argentina side. And there's a and tiny bit of the messy dream as well. And I think that we all love Messi and he's our favourite player. Of all, like, all three of us think he's the best in the world or he's been our favourite player for the last 10 years. I think you two might be being sold on that to a tiny, tiny degree. You want to see that dream, the romantic element. I want to see, I my, would, bet. I want to see my bet win. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's that. <laughs> I would argue, though, I would argue there's more evidence to say Argentina than there is Brazil in recent times. So I think, like I texted you earlier, sold. it's a shame it can't be a final. It's a shame that, and these never go to plan, by the way. Like the top, you know, like Dan said, like Denmark will probably top a group of, but it's a shame that can't be the final. If all goes to plan, they all win the groups and the games. All right, let's go Golden Boot. So one of the players that I had in mind has now been ruled out of the tournament, which is heartbreaking. Is he, is he ruled out the whole tournament? Karen Benzema is out of the <sighs> World Cup. And we'll be going home. So he's uh, not going to be involved. It was just groups for definite. Oh, no. No, he's out. Um, Alavi, I'll come to you. Golden boot winner. Um, I'll give an obvious one, which is Neymar. And then I'll give a long shot. Because I always feel the golden boot is won by the player who tends to score in the group and tends to score a lot of penalties. Oh, Harry Kane. So I'm going to (laughs) go Memphis Depay. At twenty-five to one as a long shot, Memphis the Name. pie. Yeah, interesting. Twenty-five to one. I got. I can't just pick Neymar or Vinicius Junior, can I? Well, you can. Well, it'll be too. <laughs> there might, you know, there's solid picks, and then I'll go a long shot of 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 him. Always do you know what? Can we take a like Neymar is? I'm really, I really want the Dutch to do well this time around. Obviously, they've they've not won a World Cup and they're a country that has traditionally produced a lot of great players. I know this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a golden generation for them. But I was listening to um, to some, some chat about Louis van Gaal the other day. Obviously, as people know, he's going through cancer treatment at the moment and he's literally paused it so that he can come and manage wow. at this World Cup. And I don't know, man, that really kind of got me. It made me think, yeah, do you know what? He's done so much for Dutch football over the years. He's been such a kind of big name European manager for such a long time. It would be nice for him, wouldn't it? If yeah, he had definitely. a really good tournament. Um, well, ironically, he'll play Argentina in the quarters. Who are your pick? Yeah, I'm not saying that I think he's going to so, win it. I just want no, him yeah, to yeah. do you want as well to as they can. A certain point, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan, you're, you're golden boot winner, mate. Yeah, so I've gone for Lautaro Martinez. I'll go for the okay. Argentina, Argentina, Argentina double. Um, and I get a laddie's logic with the pie, just because I was fishing around the sort of outskirts, and I, and I had a little um, a little outside um, go on Gatco um, for for Netherlands. Um, they, 
it's six goals typically wins you the golden boot. Only Ronaldo in 2002 has won it with more than six for the last um, uh, several editions of the World Cup. A Dutch player could score four or five in those groups. And that's, you know, he's 80% of the way there. So I get the logic, but I think Lautaro Martinez, um, I think there's goals there against Saudi Arabia. You know, there's there's um, there's a, a good chance to get a head start. So they're my, they're my, uh, they're my two. Do you know, it's funny you said him because I know this was one of the two or three categories, but I thought if there was a breakthrough player of the tournament, it's probably him. Oh, we, we took, you said Cody Gakbo, you have a yeah, guy yeah, who yeah. plays for PSV. Number 10 for Holland, like as of that sort of position, if I had a breakthrough player of a tournament, I think it will be him. He's the one like after the tournament. Do you remember like Pobolski, like someone's like price goes up like 50 million and everyone wants him? Yeah, yeah. That could Harry be him. Yeah, Harry Redknapp, Harry Redknapp watching in the stands. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would benefit PSV massively because there's already interest in him. And well, there was yeah, a lot of exactly. interest reported sort of just, what, months ago. And, and yeah. yeah, they'd be able to demand big money. Yeah, my, my pick for the Golden Boot is Cristiano Ronaldo. I sat there watching him um, on that Piers Morgan interview the other day. And I, I just, you know, He's as much mate, as I, I thought he came across... Cristiano Ronaldo, in the most part, as a bit of a twat, as a bit of a brat. Like, if I'm being completely honest, I probably shouldn't say that, but that's how I felt. I felt like he came across as somebody who sat there for the sole purpose of having his ego massaged more than anything else. He needed someone to tell him that he's the greatest. He needed someone to, you know, reinforce that point and almost, you know, reinforce what he believes, which is that he's been treated really unfairly by Manchester United. But that what you, you could see and what did come through was his determination to still be at the highest possible level. And I just think that although he he wouldn't be, it's a bit like your Depay shout, right? He wouldn't be, if I was betting my house, I wouldn't be betting on Cristiano Ronaldo. But he's someone I look at and I think that people have just completely ignored because of all the circus around him at the moment. And I think that he's more than capable of of popping up with the goals, particularly in a side that will he's he take built. Pens? Yeah, of course he will. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Not Fernandez, no, uh, he'll definitely take okay. him. He'll okay. definitely take him. He he rules the roost in that Portuguese yes, side. Yes, and, yes, yeah, yeah. And Fernando Santos, the manager, ex Greece manager as well, terrible manager, dinosaur, won a Euros with Portugal, but just he's one of those guys that goes, just go out and do your thing, guys, and would never think about the evolution past Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'm certain that his team is going to be set up to cater for Ronaldo. Yeah. And and I think if you give Ronaldo the service, we all know what a superb finisher he is. So yeah, that's my pick. Um, let's go Dark Horses. Dan, we'll start with you. Who are the side that you're looking at and thinking, you know what, they could surprise a few people? Um, so Uruguay will be my Dark Horses. I think they're a good okay. side. Um, they've got some good players. Again, they're going to have to beat Portugal in the groups to avoid Brazil in the second round. So, I mean, to be a dark horse, if you get knocked out in the second round, I guess that would go down as a poor selection. So they're going to have to somehow work that out. But I, I think Uruguay, I think there's, there's, um, there's some good players there. They're a really lively side. I watched them play a couple of times in the last six months as well. And I think they're probably the, you know, they're probably the forgotten South Americans, if, if you like. But um yeah, I think you're. I can't believe no one's. No one's now. Benzema's out, and Bappe should be taking the fair share of the French goals. Actually, shouldn't he? But anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that another time. Alavi for me. Um, I, I thought Dark Horse. I think you should pick someone outside the 
top eight, i.e. the who should be in the quarterfinals. And being that the betting goes to this, it goes Brazil, Argentina, France, Spain, England, Germany, Holland, Portugal. God, you haven't you haven't been looking at bets, have you? Eighth, yeah. I'm going to go ninth, <coughs> which is Belgium. I was 20 Portugal, go Belgium, who are 20 to 1. I just think this is the last chance for golden generation. You've got those players in their early 30s. You've got, you know, okay, the, the, the centre backs are, we, are, 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 we having a that, are we having that as a dark horse? Well, they're, they they're ranked they ninth. Were, so, all right, were, I'll were, give you this. They were, number, they were number one in the world. That's Hold on. Ago. They're the ninth betting favourites, and I'm going to say that they at least make the semis of a final. So, I mean, it's quite some shout because they would have to beat Portugal in the way. They would have to beat France on the way that's a fair enough shout if i say that they're going to actually make make the final or the semis given that they're ranked ninth by most you know betting companies which you should know more than anyone <laughs> this, this is what this is what goes on in this is what goes on in the var room so how can we how can we get belgium in here it is um, do you know what it's the set it's, uh, it's the age of the defense i'm worried about but then I'll rate that. Um, is it fast? I'll rate him. I'll do, it's the the Spurs ones. I'm not quite as keen on, but um, yeah, I'll go Belgium. They were over the hill about ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they're, they're pushing forty now, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. All right, my dark horse. Oh, this is tough. Can Can't I have? Can Denmark? Were Denmark in that top eight? The Denmark were. The one, so it went then. So Brazil, Argentina, France, Spain, England, Germany, Holland, Portugal, Belgium, eighth, Denmark were ninth, and Uruguay were tenth. So okay. we've covered tenth, ninth, and eighth, despite DDL having an issue with margins of like a couple to one between them. Okay, so, so, there's, so there's only 32 teams in it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, well, it's going to be about 82 for the next World Cup, but yeah. All right, I'm going to go Denmark. And I know I said earlier that I don't really see what the hype is about them. What I mean by that is that. For me, so I've been doing a lot of, of work this week and, and so many people I've spoken to have gone, Denmark win Group D. Like, as if it's a given. As if it's a given that Denmark, because they had a good Euros, are going to win this group ahead of France. With France, who are, are gonna make, third. Yeah, are going to make really light work of, uh, of Tunisia, are going to make it really easy against Australia. You've got to remember about Denmark. First of all, at the Euros, obviously what happened to Christian Eriksen was horrible, but it did give them an extra something in that they were then, I think, more determined perhaps than ever to give a good account of themselves. And the second factor is that they played so many games in Copenhagen. They don't have that now. They don't have that. They don't have that home advantage that they had in the group stages and in various parts of the tournament during the Euros because of the way it was set out, multiple cities, multiple countries. That's not there this time. So that, for me, reduces their chances of going to the very latter stages. But I think they're the type of team that, once they probably do get out of the group, they could be a banana skin for any of the big boys that come up against them. But I'm not talking semi-finals like we saw in the Euros. I'm not talking anything like that. I think they could make the quarterfinals, though. And I think based on... Those odds that Alavi shared, I think that's a fair shout then to say that they're the dark horse for me. Um, flop, DDL, who's the team that you look at? You listen to people talking and speaking highly of and think, nah, it's not happening. Um, I'm I'm Germ, I'm not in Germany, I'm not in Germany. I don't get that at all, yeah, yeah, I'm not Germany, Germany or England. I just, yeah, 
So I think I think Portugal could flop. Right, I'll pick I'll pick Portugal as a flop just because I think it's a more bolder selection. Because a lot of people are saying I see a lot of people's predictions about Portugal going to make the final and um, Portugal's route is this that and the other. But Portugal will be Portugal. I'll have Portugal to flop. Um, there's something not quite right about Portugal, and I don't I don't I don't like I don't like what I um I don't like what I see. Don't like what I see. But Germany, I'm not having Germany as any chance of winning the World Cup. And if we know how Germany performed historically in World Cups, they always somehow get through to somewhere where you think, oh, actually, maybe they could do it. But I'm not having them at all. But I'll have Portugal to flop. So to qualify this as a prediction, I will say this then. I don't think Portugal will make the quarterfinals. Is that is that bold enough to be a flop? So you've gone, you've gone Portugal and Germany, really? No, no, Portugal. Oh, you're going Portugal. Okay. But it's it's the classic DDL thing, isn't yeah, it, Alavi? Yeah. He'll yeah, text yeah. us 15 predictions over this course yeah, of a yeah. week. And if one comes off, you'll get it back. And it'll DDL's got 32 mates where he's text. One of them's even got Qatar as the winners, but he's text who's going to win the World <laughs> Cup. I think I would go right. This is what I was telling you guys earlier about the flop. I don't understand why some of the odds. I, I think there's a clear top three, which is Brazil, just in France. I then don't get the Spain, England, Germany as the next three because I think Spain will probably go out to Brazil. I think England will go out to France or Argentina and I think Germany will probably go out to Belgium. So I think all, so if you ask me what my biggest flop is, it's between Spain, England and Germany being ranked fourth, fifth and sixth betting wise. And I'm going to actually go for Spain because I normally always back them, but I just think despite them always being gifted with, you know, best players who can be both sort of magical and stellar in the centre of a park. And they'll always have that and be able to work the ball in tight areas. I think this is the first time I remember them not having a proper goal scorer. But when they were successful, they did. You look at who they got, like a very young Torres, Morata. I think they've got slow fullbacks. I just think that lack of goal scorer or lack of that sort of forward that the, the original Torres was, I think that will be to their detriment. So, yeah, agree with DDL about Germany. Can't see how England are their favourites, um, especially when they're about to get beaten by Iran. And, yeah, um, Spain, Spain, is, uh, Spain is my um, flops for me. Dan, you wanted to respond. Yeah, I just wanted to just make one point there. So, just off the back of uh, Aladdi having a pop at my predictions, he's then followed that up with, I don't like how Spain, England and Germany are fourth, fifth, sixth for the betting. They shouldn't be there. So if you get rid of them, you're replacing with Belgium, and now he's got them as his dark horses. What kind of a game is this? I'll pick Spain. Okay, but cool. I don't get I don't get the odds. But you know, what do we know? I think Germany is is the one for me. Yeah, who I don't think are going to live up to a lot of people's expectations. I think they're going for a bit of a transitional period. They got some really interesting young players, but don't know if they're ready to do it at this level yet. Hansi Flick is a very different type of coach to what Germany have have had success from in the past in terms of he's quite bold, he's quite open in his approach, he's, he's quite attack-minded. And I think when you think of Germany, you always think of pragmatism, don't you, and mm. sort of getting over the line. So it's the unknown a little bit for me. I rate Hansi Flick as a manager. I just think there's some managers, right, that are really philosophy-based. And I think at a club, you have time to ingrain philosophies and you have time to to get that over to your players. And then you see it come through. I think at international level where your time is very limited with your players and, and more so this time than any other tournament 
whereby you've had, what, five, six days to prepare for it. I just worry that that might be a problem for Germany. Well, so I don't... Aren't, they, aren't they in that group with Spain? Yeah. but So doesn't that mean if they finish second, yep. they would they would play Belgium, I believe? So what I'm saying is that is the one group with all the big boys, that's the one group where the emphasis on finishing second is definitely the biggest because... You're in a you're in a group with one of the other favourites, so to speak. I'm not even convinced that Germany get out of this group. Mm. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not what, saying so they won't. Spain but top here, and then I who takes Germany's place? Either one of the other two. What? I'm not saying Germany, isn't not, it? Well, I don't know off, off by heart. Costa Rica, Japan, and Japan. And Costa Rica. Sorry, I'm not <laughs> saying. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying that Germany definitely don't get through. But I'm saying I if they Costa fail Rica to get through, the worst team statistically in the tournament. Ever, I, I I think Costa Rica, who, if you look back at their statistics, just don't concede goals, mm. are going to be a real stubborn opponent and and are the type of team that will dig their heels in, and make life difficult for you. I, again, let me re-emphasize the point. I'm not saying that Germany definitely don't go through this group. I'm saying that I can't look at them and say, yeah, hundred percent, they're going to go through that group. Spain, I think, in this competition. Between both penalty areas are probably the best team in the tournament in terms of the way they control matches, the way they keep possession, the way they're past the ball. My worry is a bit of what you said in that I don't think they're lethal enough up front. Um, You know, I think Alvaro Morata is someone that works hard and runs channels and gets into the right spaces, but it's proven that he's not clinical enough. Are they they potentially the only big side to not get out the group? Because England will get out of Group B, won't they? Holland will get out of Group well, A. You never Argentina know. will get out of Group C. France and Denmark. France will get out of Group D. Portugal H. Brazil, I think, off the yeah. by G. Belgium F, probably with Croatia. Does that mean Group E is the one where you have a random, you know, there's Spain? Always, and there's always one. You know, because there's always one. Yeah, or there's always, there's always like, to Harry's point, there's always a Denmark that finish above France or a Mexico that, Finish somehow above Argentina and Argentina to go on, but for a difficult, difficult way. Yeah, so like, something will always not be quite to sink. But the, the holders in the last four World Cups, I don't think, got out of group, or four of the last right. five. Yeah, something like that. Wow. So there's there's always there's always one. So Germany yeah. didn't get out last year, and Italy didn't get out in 2010, and Spain didn't get out in 2014. It's, it's been quite a run. Um, <laughs> I expect France to get out of the group as holders yeah. this time, but. Yeah, there's always one. There's always one big team who, who doesn't quite make it. Should be interesting. Should be interesting. Um, okay, we're going to leave it there. I think we've covered everything. We covered flops. We covered dark horses, golden boot, and winners. Uh, we said we were going to do a half an hour podcast. We've been going for an hour and player five of the tournament. Oh shit! Yeah, go on, player of the tournament. I don't know, um... Did I even? I, I don't think I did. I ask you guys to think. Yeah, yeah. Go on then. I mean, Fine it was a me. five bullet point. Um... <laughs> Agenda, but yeah, <laughs> uh, player of a tournament. Uh, well, you, I can't give you too many bullet points because you spend all your time trying to fix your bloody headphones. Yeah, God knows what else. um, I'll go Vinicius Jr. Yeah, I'll go Vinicius Jr. I was tempted by KDB, but I thought, am I basing that just on him rather than Belgium shining? So, between so, those two, I was listening to Tim Vickery earlier. South yeah. American, South American expert. Expert. 
he says that he's not even sure that Vinicius Junior is going to be in the starting line. No, I read that. This, uh, do you know it's funny? I read that this morning that actually they'll play um, on Thursday that they'll play Neymar, um, Rodrigo, and um, uh, Rafinha, or yeah, or something to that effect. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like I watch Spanish football, as you know, not as much as say Italian or German. But he's honestly, I would honestly say, behind Benzema, he's probably Madrid's second certainly this season's been their second most effective player so i'm struggling to see that but yeah you're right i've read that as well very odd mm. but we all rate him right so i can't quite, yeah top player i don't yeah i'm slightly perplexed by that damn but but it shows how good they are right <laughs> yeah it shows if that, if, that, if that is an option yeah but sometimes you can have sometimes you can have too many options and it can disrupt things and it can be that I, don't, I think that sort of that dilemma can be a problem for a manager as much is as that it can England be a in 2006, where he's like trying to fit all four in. Like, how's he going to fit all those strikers in an array of talent? Like, mm. Hezes probably won't start, will he? No, probably not. Dan, your player of the tournament? Um, I think he's. I think he's going to pull it out one last time. Lionel, or Ronaldo think, or Messi? No, like Lionel Messi. I think he's. Gonna, I think he's going to pull it out. I think he's got. Uh, I think he's had a couple of easy years at Paris Saint Germain, and he's going to. He's going to pull it out for this one. He's someone that, at the beginning of his Paris Saint-Germain career, struggled a little bit. He, he just didn't look the same. He didn't look like he had the same desire. He didn't look like he had the same level of influence. But I think you see in recent year? months, yeah, it, yeah, that's what I was going to say. In recent months, we've seen Messi return and we've seen Messi playing a really different role. And again, this re-emphasizes why I like Argentina because... What they've done now is they've not, he doesn't need to be the guy that they shoehorn in anymore or the guy that they make the sole focal point because his game has changed and he's quite happy to drop into other areas. And he's more happy, I think, nowadays to be a provider than he is the goal scorer. And I think when I look at Messi now, I think he's easier to look at and say, yep, this is a great addition rather than the only guy as he was looked at when he was sort of really in his pomp. So, yeah, um, I'll go Messi as well. I'll go Messi as well. What a way that would be to sign who, off at your final World Cup. What's their first game? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. Get a hat trick and he's on his way. That's five nil. But then, like, is is the front if I have that front three is Messi, Martinez, and um, Di Maria, isn't it? That is something. To be fair. Yeah, it is indeed. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you leave a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. We'll be bringing you a World Cup show at 10 p.m. every single match day throughout the tournament. Sometimes it will be me. Sometimes I'll be joined by guests. Um, whenever the guys can make it, they're obviously welcome. Uh, but I know that people have lives. I don't. So, you know, uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, make sure you're tuning in uh, on a daily basis. If you're listening on the podcast platforms, uh, make sure that you are subscribed there as well. And please do leave us a review. We'll be back tomorrow night. Where we'll be looking back on three games. We'll be touching on uh, Netherlands' opener against Senegal. We'll be talking England versus Iran. And of course, we'll be talking about how Wales get on against the USA. I think that's a really interesting game, by the way. Uh, looking forward to that one. So I'll catch you guys all tomorrow. Until next time, take care. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, 
and you're listening to Harry Simeon.